Hello, it's CS Niles here again with the second episode in our Secure the Bag series. This one is going to be entitled Credit. Now, this word has been thrown around so much <laughs> in the last five or six years <clears throat> that I often think, you know, was I really in the credit business? Because the way some people are selling credit these days is it's like it's its own entity. So I would like to start off by just breaking down what credit is. So credit, whether you're talking about credit cards, home equity, line of credit, mortgages, loans, um, whatever it is, it's a promise to lend you excess cash in return. You pay interest on that excess cash that is being lended or handed out based on your goodwill or your rapport. So credit essentially is value. You have some imaginary value ahead of time that you might not necessarily possess. However, you've been given it by an entity, whether it be a bank, a credit union, or a friend. You're given temporary funds. And the obvious point of it all is to pay it back. And that's a relationship. So credit is a relationship. Now, the reason I have to be so technical on this definition of credit is because people say your credit is your credit score. Your credit score is a culmination of everything you've done in the credit world. So it's your report card of credit, but it is not your credit. So if you can understand that distinction, then you'll be well on your way to not misusing credit. So credit is your respect level in society. Your credit score is your current grade uh, or how respected are you right now, according to your history. So I don't care about your credit score because that is temporary. That is what reflects now with you with limited education or information or great information or just good luck that you had some people guiding you even though you didn't know what it was. So credit is not a representation of who you are. It is more a representation of what you were taught. And often, if not, most people with a constantly poor credit grade were not taught this form of education. Does that make sense? I hope so. (laughs) There's no ability to call and response here. So now that we've defined credit as to being a relationship and your credit score is kind of your current grade in that relationship. So you're either failing or you're excelling in that. So what do we want to all do? We want to excel. But why? Why do we want a good number, letter, grade in this relationship status that's credit? Because credit in our society is deemed valuable. This relationship will open doors and opportunities for you that you didn't know were closed, such as lending. Let's say you want to start a business and you would like a business credit card and you go and apply for that credit card and your bank or credit union or friend actually wants a copy of what you've done beforehand before they give you this responsible chunk of their money to borrow. How do you build up that respect level quickly and efficiently? That's what we're talking about today. I'm going to give you one of my number one secrets in basically faking it until you make it. (laughs) How can you fast track your respectability in the credit world? How can you skip years and years of putting in the on-time payments and low balance? And how can you fast track that real quick? 
seems to be that somebody knows tips, but nobody's giving it out. Well, I am one of those persons. This is how you quickly, if you have the cash, let's be real, if you have the cash, how you can quickly increase your credit limit or available credit given to you or granted to you. So I'll tell you about my experience and I'll tell you how I learned the skills. So I was never given a credit education from my family, which is actually the group that's supposed to educate you on this. If you didn't know, that's why it's not taught in schools. It's traditionally taught by the parents. They're supposed to teach you how to manage, understand these different levels. And if they're not doing it, they're not doing their job. We didn't know this because we don't read etiquette books and we don't read the rules of society that say your family, mainly your father, because it was a patriarchal society back then. But even though most women ran them, managed the household finances. So um, your family's supposed to teach you this. And most people, when they say they don't know about sales, they don't know about business, they don't know about man, your parents are supposed to teach you that. Traditionally, we used to own businesses or farms or trade or some kind of craft. And you're supposed to manage that on your own fruition. Most of us that descended from slaves who've lost all of our former history, all of our merchant and sales skills, all of this was lost upon us. And we weren't retaught it because it's not taught in schools. So I'm going to give you that lesson. <laughs> the first one is how to increase your credit limit starting day one. Let's say you only qualify for 300 to 500 lottery credit limit. That's often the starter format if you have no credit history, right? And then you're supposed to use that card and then the bank or the credit union or your friend is supposed to increase that amount available to you because of that trusted relationship growing. Well, that takes time. It takes on-time payments. And once you start reporting out on-time payments, low balances, and that magic number, which is not your credit score, but the available credit, that is actually the number that's most valuable, not your credit score. So... You report this out for the first time. Now all the people know, uh-oh, somebody new using credit and they've been given 300 credit limit. They've been trusted with it and they've been on time payments. Wow, now we have history where we can too can trust them with credit, whether it be your local clothing store or a car dealership or even a finance department for home mortgages. So why I tell people increasing your available credit you have to you is important for two reasons. You cannot decide to build credit when you're ready to take out a $350,000 mortgage. Do you see how weird it would be for someone to trust you with $350,000 in credit if you've never had $3,000 in credit or $2,000 in credit? So I have people paying off bills and debts, um, which is a good thing, but they've not actually been given credit. So if you live your life in a cash-based world, this message is for you. When you're ready to join the other part of the world, which is the finance, lending, and credit side, you will be a ghost because they have no history to report. They don't know that you've made thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in your job. They don't know that you donate to your church locally because you don't file on your taxes. They don't know anything about you other than you are a new person applying for something and they have no history to back it on. So building that credibility, that relationship, and that history is very important. You have a job that you make sixty, seventy thousand dollars on. Your bills are thirty-five thousand dollars. That additional thirty-five thousand goes to auxiliary bills, your friends, family, and food, right? So you're left down with let's say ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars of actual money you can save, put away, invest. Do you want to know how I would suggest you put that ten thousand dollars to good use? It's not in a CD. It's not in buying some cryptocurrency, and it's definitely not playing in the stock market. 
the best way you can invest and put that money to the side is by opening a secure credit card. For some reason, where I'm from, secure credit card is considered offensive because it's given to people who can't, don't have credit or can't build it or whatever, or not a country US resident and they may be working here and they would like to establish credit. So that's the only people we think secured credit cards are for. It is not true. Let me tell you the smartest way I've ever seen someone use a secured credit card and I started explaining this to all of my clients, customers, prospects, everybody for that minute forward. I had a customer who was from another country and they were looking to invest in the United States. No one would give them credit because naturally they didn't have credit over here and nothing they did in their country mattered. So what this young person did was open a secured credit card and this person opened it for the bare minimum, which is $300. So they put $300 into the bank. The bank took that money and put it in the digital lockbox, which is called the collateral account. It's an account that you cannot access and the bank will not use. They hold it to the side, probably invest with it, but they tell you that they hold it to the side and it's yours available if you graduate the secured program. So if you use the credit card, they give you matching that amount in that collateral account and you use on-time payments, keep the balance low, things like that, then they will say, hey, you know how to use a credit card. Here's your money back in this lockbox accounts. And they take that and give that back to you and put it back in your account. Once that money's back in your account, you now keep the credit card. It is no longer secured. It's just a regular credit card. However, this is the rub. It was always a regular credit card. The secured part comes in the bank's peace of mind having a security deposit while they give you a regular credit card. Why is this definition and distinction important? What reports out to the general public is that you have a credit limit of X amount of dollars. That's all they know about your relationship with that bank, credit union, or that person. You are given X amount of dollars in lending. That's all they know. My finesse strategy 101 is to put as much money as you can into that collateral account before you graduate because there's this little nice fine print where the bank has to match whatever you put in that account. They have to match the credit limit to that amount in that collateral account. So if you're saving for something like a house or a car or something important, why not put that money into a collateral account attached to a secure credit card and you are legally able to call that credit card customer service every month or every two weeks you get paid and request to add additional funds to that collateral account. So you can essentially keep putting your money in that lockbox, which makes the bank or credit union or person constantly have to match that amount. So this young patron opened the secured credit card for $300. And every two weeks when they got their salary check, they put in $1,000 extra up and maxed it out, which for that bank at the time, it was $10,000. This person now reports out to have $10,000 credit available to them from X amount of bank, which is a very prestigious bank. Once that's, once that's reported out, they had other companies that were less reputable giving them offers of double the amount of $20,000, of $25,000, just because they had built up a relationship with that bank. They didn't know that there was a collateral account attached and when that person graduated, all that money was replaced back in because all they did with the credit card was put a few of their bills that were able to be paid off with the credit card 
and paid the balance off in full. So they put their phone bill and their cable bill, two things they knew they were gonna pay every year, every month. They had it automatically being charged to their credit card and then they follow it off, had automatic payments of paid in full each month from their credit card from their account. What did this do? Zero in new transactions, however, so much with reporting. They frequently used it. They frequently paid it off on time. They were using credit the correct way, which is low balances, not maxing it out, and reoccurring use and payment in full. That's the ideal credit user. Why did this person do this? Because they wanted the $50,000 credit card somewhere else. And this was one stepping stone and a quick fast forward of all the years of going from 300 to 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 to $3,000 in credit limit increases from the bank. They played the credit system so well that in less than a few years, they were receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars in lending opportunities because of the multiple relationships they courted. How did I do this? I did the exact same thing. I rebuilt my credit from four something to the 700s just by playing the credit game. I wasn't out here acting like it was free money, buying up things. I wasn't opening random store cards or credit cards within department stores. I was opening them with companies that allowed and rewarded me with perks and points. I'll cover perks and points later because that's a whole world of investment, trust me. Um, so that's my number one tip on building, establishing credit quickly and effectively, especially if you have the capital. And this is going to be important for the car buyers. If you, if the bank, if a credit card company is trusting you with $10,000 of a regular credit limit, the car companies will definitely trust you with twenty and $30,000 because you have a car, an even bigger security deposit, which is your car itself. So you can actually get better APRs, which we all know saves money in the long run. My first brand new car, I paid 0.1% APR or 1% APR. And in the past, when I've seen friends and family members pay for cars and finance, and they were paying 20 to 30% at a buy here, pay here place. That's why one of my favorite quotes is, the most expensive thing you can be is poor. They pay way more for things that they don't have to pay that much for just because they don't know how to work the system. So that's my number one tip for building and increasing credit, starting with the secured credit card and then literally you're shopping for credit cards like you shop for investments. Oh, I'm going to get like my husband recently. Um, he got one through a hotel company we frequent. And the reason we did that because we're going to pay off our they have a promotional program where if you spend $3,000 in the first three months, you get you know 100,000 points where equivalent to a week, wherever you want in the world or whatever. And so he was already building points on his other um, credit card to get the free flight. So now our honeymoon is essentially paid for. We have a week in a five-star hotel in the south of France and our flights are being paid for by another credit card. So that's how we use points. We're at the points level where when we buy or open something, it's for an investment of something else. We're just getting it for free. I wanna go over that, but I feel like I have to start and stay at the basics so people can graduate to the point system. So if you have no credit cards or if you have a credit card with less than a $1,000 limit and you're pretty much maxing out at about maybe 2,000 or 3,000 available credit, you can get to the next level by opening secure credit card, calling the credit card company once you're approved and continuously adding to that collateral 
account which will force your company to match that amount and if you're in a, if you have a savings that you absolutely do not touch for emergencies and it's substantial enough where you can leave some for emergencies and the rest you can throw in this card I'd highly suggest doing that and starting to play the credit game that's the real credit game how much can I get people to trust me with so that I may leverage it and use it in any way I see fit in the future You'll start on the personal side, work your way on the business side, and then when you start with homes and other lending like that, you can really start, and we can talk about things like flipping houses and things like that using credit that you don't even have to have the cash available on hand. So that's episode two. I hope I wasn't rambling too much, and I hope I got my point across, but this is the thing I want you to know. Credit is important. Your credit Available credit is important to your future needs for things like financing and lending. That's if you care about being in that program. You can live in a cash world, but you have to stay in that cash world. No system is different or better than each one. However, if you choose to dabble in one, just do it the right way. And that's my tip for credit. Tune in next week where I believe I will cover banking in general. So general banking hacks, things like why overdrafts are not temporary loans. I've heard hundreds of people say that. And cool things on, you know, joint accounts and knowing who and who not to sign over permission to. All right, this is CS Niles and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Secure the Bag. Take care.